Hey everyone, great to have you with us on the Practicology Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about judo. And it's going to be a little throwback to Pilgrim's Progress again that we went through in the month of February and how to overcome Satan's accusations by agreeing with him. And we pray that this will be a blessing to you and maybe really helpful to the many who struggle with guilt in your Christian life. Thanks, Matthew. We'll start with the judo. I don't know much about martial arts or wrestling, but I have a friend who knows a bit more than I do. And when I was on the phone with Paul the other day, uh, I asked him which martial art teaches you to take your opponent's attack and flip it around and use it against him. And Paul said, and here I'm, I'm going to loosely quote him, he said, it's judo, and you know I'm right because I'm Korean. <laughs> and, and after we had a good laugh about that, um, he sent me a follow-up article that backed him up. And so, for instance, listen to this excerpt from the article he sent me about judo. It says, Instead of resisting force, use it to your own advantage by going with it and adding your own strength. Don't fight back when you're attacked. Yield. Don't fight back when you're attacked, but yield. That maybe strikes us as a bit of a, a counterintuitive approach, I think. Yes, it is. But it's also the approach Christian took in his battle with Apollyon in the Valley of Humiliation. So basically, in our five-episode series on Pilgrim's Progress, Matthew, we never once, I don't think, talked about my favorite line in the whole book. And so we're going to get there today. Um, but remember, Apollyon is this foul fiend who begins to attack Christian. And he uses many different techniques and strategies to try and get Christian to renounce Christ and, and begin to follow Satan again. But Christian responds by saying, he prefers Christ's service over Satan's. Yeah, Christian says to him, Besides, O you destroying Apollyon, to speak truth, I like his service, his wages, his servants, his government, his company, and his country better than yours. To which Apollyon says, You've already been unfaithful in your service to him, so why do you think you will get wages from him? And Christian says, Well, how have I been unfaithful? And then Apollyon ratchets it up a bit. He says, he, well, it says Apollyon accused. Note that word. He accused Christian. He said, you almost fainted when you set out. You also attempted to get rid of your burden in the wrong way instead of patiently waiting for the prince to take it off. You sinfully slept and lost your scroll and you were almost persuaded to go back at the sight of the lions. And when you talk of your journey and of what you have heard and seen, you inwardly desire your own glory in all you do and say. So, wow, that's a powerful attack by the foe, a string of condemning accusations. And how does Christian respond? Does he try to deny them and say, no, that's not true. I didn't fail. I didn't sin. You're making it up. And I don't inwardly desire my own glory. My heart is absolutely pure. I'm all about Christ's glory. No, that's not what Christian does. Nor does he try to drown it out or plug his ears or run away and, and hide from all these accusations. He doesn't even make a bunch of promises, you know, and say, uh, just wait, I'm going to try better. I'm, I'm going to do better in the future. Just watch me. So Christian doesn't deny the accusations. He doesn't hide from them. He doesn't promise to do better in the future. What he does do is agree with them. Yeah, and it is very powerful. Satan has just accused him. You inwardly desire your own glory in all that you do and say. 
And Christian says, and I think this is, Mike, what you're saying is your favorite line in the book. He says, all this is true and much more than you have failed to mention. In other words, Christian is agreeing with the accuser and he's also slightly correcting him. He's saying, yeah, you're absolutely right, Satan, except you missed a few there. The truth is that I'm far worse than you say I am. Yeah, yeah this is my favorite line. And do you see how disarming this is? I mean, what's Satan's weapon? It's accusations, right? That's his special weapon, is to be able to accuse us. But what happens when he unloads all these accusations on you and you say, yeah, I know that already. In fact, I've got a few more you could add to the list. Right, because the the power of accusations is that they're supposed to make us do all the things Christian doesn't do. They're supposed to send us running, hiding, uh, or provoke us to fiercely deny them or pledge to do much better in the future in our own strength, probably. That's normally the effect that accusations have on people. And when they do have that effect, you know that the person is scared and intimidated by the power of that accusation. So Mike, help us here then. How, how is a Christian able to respond to guilt and accusations from Satan or from our own consciences? How can we respond differently? Well, the answer comes down, as always, to the gospel. The gospel enables us to respond to the enemy's accusations in a different way. So after Christian disarms Apollyon by saying, you're right, he then says, but the prince whom I now serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive. So the reason Christian can face all these accusations being hurled at him and and face them so boldly and squarely is that he knows that every single one of the sins that the devil is correctly identifying in him, that every one of those sins has been forgiven by Christ. Remember, we don't just get saved by the gospel, we live by the gospel. Or we could say it this way, we don't just get saved by faith in Christ, we live by faith in Christ. Amen. Think of those precious verses in Romans 5, verses 6 to 8. I I think we quote them to unbelievers so often we forget that they were originally written first and foremost to comfort those of us who are believers. That's the context to Romans 5. These verses are meant to assure us of God's love for us and how safe we are from the punishment that our sins deserve. So he says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned those two verses. And let me now quote to you a little quote from uh, Greg Gilbert's excellent book on assurance that references um, one or two of those verses. And so Greg Gilbert says, do you know how to disarm guilt in your life? How to find rest and confidence in Jesus, even in the harsh glare of your sin? The solution is ironic, but it's true. Stop hiding from it. Stop trying to avoid its accusations and instead stare it in the face and agree with it about how horrible you are. When Satan or another person or even your own mind accuses you of sin and tells you how awful you are and how unworthy you are of God's love, don't argue. Don't say, no, please don't bring that up. I can't bear to think about it. And don't defend yourself either. Don't say, well, there were these other mitigating circumstances around that one and I was really tired that day. And besides all these good things over here, balance it out. And above all, don't say, okay, okay, you're right, but give me time and I'll make it up. Let me have another shot and this time I'll do better. Instead, uh, Gilbert says, just agree with the accuser and say, yes, I did all that. I am all that. 
I am an unrighteous, weak, ungodly sinner who is utterly unworthy of God's love and grace. And yet, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for ungodly me. Like this is bringing to my mind uh, a quote you gave us on another episode that I know really stuck with some people. I can't remember who said it, but uh, the line was something like, cheer up, you're far worse than you think you are. Yeah, that's Jack Miller. <laughs> yeah. He, um, yeah, he would say, uh, cheer up, you're far worse than, you're, you're far worse than, than that, but you're also far more loved than you dare believe, something like that. Good. And now I think it's also maybe becoming clear to us why you started this episode with that judo illustration. It, it sounds like in judo, when the opponent attacks you, there's a sense in which you agree with him, you go along with him, don't fight back, yield. Well, maybe no one used this move more powerfully than Martin Luther, actually. Here's how Luther puts it. When you say I am a sinner, you give me armor and weapons against yourself so that with your own sword, I may cut your throat and tread you under my feet. For Christ died for sinners. As often as you object that I am a sinner, so often you remind me of the benefit of Christ my Redeemer on whose shoulders and not on mine lie all my sins. So when you say I'm a sinner, you do not terrify me, but you comfort me immeasurably. Well, there's no way I can improve on how Luther puts it. The battle was so frequent and intense for him, and he got really good at using this gospel judo move. And this is the way the Bible teaches us to fight this battle against guilt and Satan. It is gospel judo. Use the enemy's movement against him. Use his attack against him. Use his weapons against him. When he rubs your sin in your face, let that remind you, yeah? Number one, how awful your sin is. But right on the heels of that reminder, of that realization, is, is the next truth. How forgiven and how paid for your sin is. And then, look at where this goes, right? The enemy thought, oh, I'll get him. I'm going to make him feel so miserable for that sin. I'm going to put it right in front of his eyes. Well, what's he done? He's reminded you, yeah, how awful your sin is. But then your next thought is, oh, but it's all forgiven. And then thirdly, how wonderful Christ would be to love you enough to face the punishment of wrath and death in your place. The, the devil meant to defeat you, but all he's done is reminded you of how wonderful Jesus Christ, your Savior, is. Always a good reminder. And in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian's use of gospel judo is a turning point in that whole fight. And a little later, he thrusts his sword at Apollyon and he quotes from the end of Romans 8. Romans 8 is such a huge chapter for the assurance of the believer. But he cites the end of Romans 8. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And with that, Apollyon spread out his dragon wings and flew away, and Christian saw him no more. And that's how I like to take that verse. Uh, more than conquerors means not just that we're conquerors, you know, not just that we win in the end, but that we're more than conquerors. More in what sense? Well, in this sense, in that not only will we survive every move the enemy makes against us, but ultimately, every move the enemy makes against us will be turned around, like in judo, and used to contribute to our final victory over him. So, Mike, let's bring this into a, a personal application. Uh, let's say someone's, maybe they're, maybe they're listening to a message being preached, um, reminding the saints about the importance of purity, 
and our conscience smites us because we know we've had some lustful thoughts or, or maybe this is in a setting at school where um, some guys are talking and, you know, you kind of join in the the laughter and, you know, they give you that knowing look that you're thinking the same things that they are. And, you know, Satan's throwing this in your face that you've got the same lustful intent in your mind and heart that everyone else does. And we're feeling awful about that. We're feeling guilty, lowly, undeserving, useless. Uh, help me there. What, what do we do in that instance? So um, you've actually participated to some degree in, in some kind of sin like that, maybe entertaining a sexual fantasy or a lustful thought or something. And now Satan wants to make you miserable, right? He's bringing that, or maybe your own conscience is just doing it. You feel uh, guilty and sinful and ashamed of of what you've watched, what you've seen, what you thought about, and uh, and now he wants to make you feel miserable. And so, and so you learn to um, to use gospel judo. You recognize, oh, like I'm I'm being accused here. I, I'm being accused of something wrong, and uh, it's it's being replayed into my mind. It's it's being. Um, rubbed in my face. Uh, I'm seeing myself almost uh, participating in this sin and what a terrible sinner I am. I'm, I'm, I'm acting no better than these unsafe people around me. And that's when you implement gospel judo and you say, well, apart from God's grace, I am no better. And it's true. I, I did. I did watch. I did want. I did think um, I did entertain that fantasy. It's true. I did act sinfully. But what else is true? What else is true is that Christ died for people just like me. He died for the most ungodly sinner. He died for me. He gave his life for me. He loved me that much. My sins are gone. My sins are forgiven. And um, I'm actually finding that this accusation that came so hard against me has now moved me into fresh appreciation, gratitude, and love for my Savior. So it is a fight, hey, Matthew? Like, it is a fight. We we do, I mean, the attack can come so strong sometimes that we, we kind of need to grab these gospel texts, these gospel truths, and, and believe them, to preach them to our hearts and say, yes, this is true. Christ died for the ungodly. I'm the ungodly one he died for. Yeah, and I love what you've done there, Mike, how you said a moment ago that it's, it's actually resulted in you having a fresh appreciation of Christ and his work for you. It's amazing then how God can turn that around and show his abounding grace. And I mean, this is all 1 John 1 and 2 as well, right? 1 John 1, uh, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And we're not to say we have no sin, that's deceiving ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then into chapter 2, Christ is the propitiation the atoning sacrifice for our sins, we have this advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and that's how God sees us as well. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, maybe maybe the enemy can take what we've said here, Matthew, and say to the listener, hey, yeah, this applies to those little sins in your life. You know, the little dabbling here and there. But if it, when that time when you really, really sinned, I mean, it doesn't apply to that. But I, I love those verses you mentioned there, Matthew. Um, 
that, that Jesus Christ is, is our propitiation. It says he's the propitiation not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world, right? There is no inadequacy in, in what he's done there. He has made a total cleansing, a total provision for the believer's sins. And so uh, this works this this works equally true for when we feel we've really, really blown it. And, and again, in the words of Luther, uh, to say to that accusing voice, to say, when you say I'm a sinner, you do not terrify me, but comfort me immeasurably. All right, that's very good. Thank you for the words you brought us today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Practicology Podcast, and we hope you'll be with us again next time as well. Yeah, God bless everyone.